God is good. Amen? Amen. You have your Bibles open to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. We're going to look at our first 18 verses here. I want to begin a study today that we've entitled Keys to Acquiring the Promised Land. I believe that God has a promised land for, you know, every church, every individual, every child of God. I think God has great things in store for His people, but there's some keys to unlocking that great, those great things God has for us. Now, we all know the story of Moses and him leading the people of God out of Israel, out of bondage to the promised land that God had promised to them. The first obstacle, if you remember in that story, was he had to face Pharaoh. As he went to Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh was not willing to allow God's people to leave. So that was the first obstacle that Moses had to face as he went to free God's people. But as a faithful leader, Moses turned to God. Moses trusted God. And as a result of Moses, the leader, trusting God, God moved upon the heart of Pharaoh. Pharaoh, and Pharaoh agreed to let the people of God go. Now, the second thing that he had to face here was that, you know, Pharaoh got to having second thoughts here. So what does Pharaoh do with his second thoughts? He says, you know, I've made a mistake here. So he sends his army to the people of God. Their backs are at the Red Sea. What do they do now? You know, are they still going to trust God or are they going to just give in to the uh, army of Pharaoh? But again, the leader said, stand strong and trust the hand of God. So as the leader stood there with uh, the the back of the people, the, the Red Sea, having them trapped, the leader trusted God. The people trusted the leader. You remember the story. Moses held out his staff. The waters parted. The people of God walked across on dry ground. And as the army of Egypt began to cross to, you remember the story, the, 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 the waters fell and it drowned all the people. Time and time again, God continued to provide for the people of Israel because of the faithfulness of the a leader and the willingness of the people to follow their leader. However, there came a day that the people got tired of following their leader. And out of disgust, because the people would no longer follow him, Moses himself, as the leader, got disgusted. And God told him, he said, I'm going to provide water for the people and their livestock. One time he just told Moses to strike the rock. You remember the story. And water came out. Well, this second time, God told him, he said, just speak to the rock. But because the leader was disgusted with his people, because of all the grumbling in the camp, Moses was upset. So what did he do? He took his staff and he struck the rock again. Yes, God provided the water like he promised. But because of the disobedience of the leader there, uh, of uh, striking the rock rather than speaking to the rock, it cost the leader the opportunity to see the promised land. Now, the people began to listen to the words of ten negative people. Now, this may come as shock to you, especially as Baptists. Do you realize there are some negative people in Baptist churches? God forbid. I just told you something you didn't know this morning, didn't I? 
But because the, 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 the people of Israel listened to the negative report of ten unfaithful people and made the decision to uh, listen to them rather than following God, you know, what happened was they were sentenced to 40 years in the wilderness, that entire generation. So now Moses, as the leader, was not able to see the promised land because of his disobedience in following God. Now this generation of people could not see the promised land for 40 years because of their disobedience to God. Listen to me, folks. Disobedience to God comes with a price. We're talking about his people. You understand that. I'm not talking about the lost either out there. I'm talking about the people of God. Listen, disobedience comes with a price. For Moses, he was not able to see the promised land. For the people, because they was disobedient to God, because they listened to uh, you know negative people, 10 negative people, they too had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Look, I believe that God has something great for every church and I believe that God has something great for every child of his that is obedient to him. And I believe that as long as the leader is following God and the people are following the leader, God will take them to places that they've never been before, places that he has for them. But I also believe if, that, if the, either the leader stops following God or the people stop following the leader just as the people of Israel wandered in the wilderness for an entire generation, so will that church, or so will that individual believer. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at what happened when Joshua, after the death of Moses, got the people back to the door of promised land. Forty years later, Joshua is now the leader. They're back at the door of the promised land. Now there's a decision to be made. Will the people be obedient this time? Or will they be disobedient and have to go back into the wilderness? Now what would they do? Had this generation learned from the mistakes of the past generation, would they make the same mistake and miss what God had for them? Or would they stand behind their leader as their leader stood with God? Let's jump into this this morning, okay? God's promises are forever. We need to understand that. God's promises are forever. Each generation has a choice to be obedient or disobedient in the directing of God. Every individual has the choice to be obedient or disobedient to God. That choice is yours. That choice is mine. Look what he says in verse 2 there. Uh, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, I want you to look at the word now. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Now, therefore, arise. God's saying, Moses is gone. The leader that I wanted to ha have lead them into the promised land, he is no more. Now, he says, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I gave the, or give them, even the children of Israel. Notice again that word now. Okay, Moses is dead, now it's your turn. Moses is dead, now the people get another chance. Moses is dead, now let's see if this generation will choose to be obedient to God, if they'll choose to follow their leader that I have chosen for them. You see, I believe the reason many churches never you know, reach the place that God has for them 
is because they refuse to break the cycle of disobedience. I want to assure you there are a lot of churches out there, you know, who are in a cycle of being disobedient in following God. They're disobedient because they're, maybe they're tied up in tradition. Well, tradition won't allow us to go here. Okay, the choice is ours. Are we going to follow tradition or are we going to follow God? Listen, as long as tradition is following God, then there's no problem. But if tradition is not following God, folks, then we got a choice to make here. And that's what happened here. That's where the people of Israel were at this time. Do we break this cycle of disobedience? You know, that's been passed down from generation to generation. You know, rather than learning from the mistakes of the pre uh, previous generation that was wandering in the wilderness, would they too end up in the wilderness? Or would we learn from the mistakes of the past generation? Listen, the wilderness is not a place for disobedient people. Don't miss this. The wilderness is not the place for disobedient people or for obedient people. The wilderness is a place for disobedient people. Do we understand that? Why were they out in the wilderness? Because of disobedience. That's where disobedient people are. But for obedient people, folks, we're not to be in the wilderness. We won't be in the wilderness because we'll be following God and God's not in the wilderness. Look, and it's a sad fact that many in our churches have become content in the wilderness because it takes effort to get out of the wilderness that many people in many churches aren't willing to make. Look, God has a better place. Listen to me. God has a better place if his people are willing to make the sacrifices needed to come out of the wilderness. But again, some people, some churches are content in the wilderness. And I want you to notice something else here in verses 3 and 4. God's boundaries of the promised land didn't change. Only the timing of their possessing it changed. Look at what he says in verse 3 and 4. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have, that, uh, have I given to you, even as I said unto Moses, for the wilderness and this Lebanon, even to the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. This is the same boundaries that he told Moses they could possess. This is the same boundaries that the promised land had. Now, again, as you look at these boundaries, it's the same thing. Nothing had changed. The only thing that had changed here was that now it was 40 years later. Look, do you realize that they could have been in the wild? I mean, they could have been in the promised land for that 40 years that they were in the wilderness. Here's what the people did because of their disobedience. They traded 40 years of the promised land for 40 years in the wilderness, all because of their disobedience to God. Again, I suggest to you this morning, there are a lot of churches that are trading the promised land God has for them. There's a lot of individuals who are trading the promised land that God has for you because you're content wandering in the wilderness. How long will you do that? How long will you trade what God has for you, you know, just because you're not willing to be obedient 
to him. So many times the disobedience of a few costs the entire congregation the greatness that God has for them. Now, let's break this down and see, because I believe the leader has a responsibility if the church is to get to the promised land, but I believe also the people have a responsibility if they're to get to the promised land. The leader must understand, first of all, that God has his back, okay? The leader must understand that God has his back. Look at verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee. Now, this is God talking to uh, 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 Joshua, instructing him. Look here, I, I want you to take them on in. Let me just give you some assurance here. He says, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, look at here, God's promise, so shall I be with thee. And look what he else has promised. I will not fail thee, nor will I forsake thee. Now, we got pastors that, you know, watch us on Facebook. So any pastor that is watching or some are here, you know, listen to me. I want to assure you that as a leader for God, if you're being obedient to God, God promises to have your back. He promises to have your back. God is basically saying to Joshua here, you simply carry out the mission that I have given you. I will fight your battles. I will cover your back. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. You see, a leader knows he can't always depend on man to defend him. Okay? But he knows that God will never fail. God will never fail. Let me look. I've had time and time again people say to me in my 35 plus years pastoring, I've had people say to me, Pastor, I've got your back. Pastor, I am with you. I've got your back. And you know what? Time and time again, it's those very ones that end up turning their back and running when things get tough. When I first started pastoring, I had an old pastor tell me, he said, Brother Gene, let me warn you of one thing, okay? He said, the people who befriend you first in the church will be the ones who turn their back on you first. I've only pastored two churches, okay? The first church, that was true. Those who befriended me first was the first ones to turn their back. Here at this church, the same thing. Those who befriended me first was the first ones to turn their back. But you know what God promises here? I've got your back, and I'll not let you down. I will not forsake you. Listen, I've learned when a person tells me, okay, Pastor, I'm with you. I've got your back. Here's what I have learned. That person is not trying to convince me that they have my back. That person is trying to convince me of themselves because they know they don't. And they're simply just trying to convince themselves that they are. Therefore, a leader must be strong and courageous. Look at verses 6, 7, and 9. 6, 7, and 9. Now, again, God speaking to his leader, Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shall thou divide uh, for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Now look what he says in 7. 
Be only be thou strong and courageous, that thou may observe to do according uh, to all the law which Moses, my uh, servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it, talking about the law of the God, uh, God, the word of God, turn not from it to either the right or the left, that thou mayest prosper wheresoever thou goest. Now verse 9. For I not have I not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. You think God is trying to get a, a, a point across to Joshua? Be strong, be courageous, stand firm, you know, trust me. And be not afraid, he says, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wheresoever thou goest. You see, that's the thing that keeps me going, is the promise that God gives me. I've got your back. You be strong. You be courageous. You just go wherever I lead you to go and leave the results to me. Look, in three verses, uh, God tells Joshua, be strong, be courageous, don't fear. And it's sometimes difficult to be strong and courageous as a leader. I'll admit, when you have people shooting at you from all sides, it's hard to be strong and courageous. But you know what? Knowing that God commands it lets the leader know that if God is commanding it, then God is going to protect you from whatever may come your way. And a leader just has to stand on that promise, though he's taking missiles from all sides. You see, the divine call to be strong and courageous that we see right here is not only for manly courage, okay? But it's for courageous faith centered in the Word of God. That's what he's talking about. Be, be courageous in your faith. Not just manly courage where you're willing to stand up against anybody. No, be courageous in your faith and trust God. Joshua understood that his strength and his courage had to be found in God alone. He understood that there would be nothing taking his place in life that God would not be involved in. And everything that he would accomplish would be a result of God, nothing that he would do for himself. That understanding gave him strength. That understanding gave him courage. And he needed that he needed to be successful for God. Now, the next thing we see here is this. The leader must be obedient to the word of God. Okay? Look at verse 8. In or this book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth. What was he talking about? The law that God had given Moses. You know, the word of God. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe and do according to all that is therein. For then... Look at this, for then. What's then making reference to? Then is making reference to the leader focusing on the Word of God. Then is making reference to the leader following the Word of God. Then thou shalt make thy ways prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Then, when you're in the Word of God, when you're studying the Word of God on a daily basis, when the Word of God is a part of who you are, then, he says, you're going to be prosperous and be successful for God. Let's see, it's, it, it's the responsibility here of the leader to daily be in God's Word and in God's presence. Look, a leader who does not spend time daily with God, a leader who does not spend time in prayer with God, a leader who does not spend time in the Word of God, you know, will not possess the strength and courage needed to deal with the everyday stress 
of leading his people. It's time spent with God that gives the leader the ability to be strong, the ability to be courageous, and to know that God will protect them from whatever may come. Now, what is the responsibility of the congregation? What is the responsibility of the people? Verses 10 through 18, we'll see that. So just as a leader has a responsibility to God, so do the people. First of all, a people must hear the words of the leader. Okay, they must hear the words of the leader. Look at verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people to pass through the host and command the people. Okay, in other words, Joshua called his, his officers together and he said, I got a word I want you to take to the people. I've got a word that I want you to take to the people and this is going to be their responsibility. Okay. Prepare your victuals, for therein, or for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in uh, to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And the Reubenites and the uh, Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest. And have given you this land. Your wives and your little ones uh, and your cattle shall remain in the land of which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But ye shall pass before the brethren armed and uh, all the men of mighty valor to help them until the Lord hath given your brethren rest as he has given you. And they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then you shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it as Moses and the Lord's ser uh, servant uh, gave you on this side of Jordan toward the sun rising. Look, many times the words the people are hearing from the leader are not words they'll be comfortable with. Okay, we, we, we need to understand this. The words that the leader gives the people, sometimes the people are not comfortable in hearing. Sometimes the direction the leader is encouraging the people to go is not the direction they would want to go, mainly because they've never been there before. You know the Baptist motto? The Baptist motto is, if it's new, it can't be true. Okay? If it's new, it can't be true. You see, the people not, must not only be willing to hear the Word of God, they must be willing to listen to it. Look, look at this. Because we become content in our comfort zones, okay, many times we don't like hearing about moving into uncharted waters. That's why Baptists have that motto. Because doing something new takes them into uncharted waters. The promised land for Israel was uncharted waters because they had never been there before. Not only had they never been there before, they didn't know what to expect when they got there. But this time, not as 40 years before, the people were willing to not only hear what their leader had to say, but more importantly, the people were willing to heed the words of the leader. You see, there's a difference in hearing and heeding. You can hear what the leader is having to say, but if you don't heed those words, it does no good. Look at verse 16 and 17a. And they answered Joshua, saying, now here was their response. 
He was wanting to take them into uncharted waters. He was wanting to take them into places they've never been before. He was wanting to take them into the place that 40 years before the generation said, we don't want to go there. All that thou commandest us, we will do. Now, we know they wasn't Baptist, okay, because a group of Baptists would never say that, would they? Okay? All that thou commandest us to do, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so we hearken unto you. In other words, just like we followed Moses out of bondage, we're willing to follow you into the promised land. Yes, our previous generation was not willing, but we're willing now to heed your words. And we're willing to follow you as our leader to that that God has for us. Again, it's one thing to hear the words of the leader, but it's another thing to heed them. And many times... You know, something may sound good, but, but. Can I tell you something? The word but should never be used in the vocabulary of a Christian. Here's what I mean by that. You know, uh, oh, I would like for our church to grow, Pastor. I would like for our church to grow and, and have, you know, two, three, four hundred members. But, there comes that but. I wouldn't know everybody there. Well, Pastor, I know we've been growing and we need a new building, but it just wouldn't feel the same in a new building. It wouldn't really feel like my church. These are some words I've heard before is why I pulled them out. But here's a but to consider, okay? But why not just, obe why not just be obedient to God and follow your leader to the place that God would have you to go? If you want to use a but, use it there. But why not just be obedient to God? Well, here's a kicker on that. Pastor, isn't that what cults do? They simply follow a man that leads them directly away from God? Yes, that's what God, uh, cults do. That's what a cult is all about. But look here. The people must heed the words of the leader only. Only. What's that word in red? Only as the leader is heeding the words of God. I don't want you to miss that. The people must heed the words of the leader only as that leader is heeding the words of God. You see, when a leader is following God and the people are following the leader, the people are in, in, in obedience and they're in essence following God. Not the leader, but God. Look, once a leader, though, listen to me here, but once a leader ceases following God, then the people are not obligated to follow him. Again, that's what leads people off in the cults because the leader ceases following God. The people still follow the leader, not even aware that they're following him right away from God. That's why it's important that the people follow the leader only as he is following God. The reason so many people end up in cults, you know, following a leader is because the people don't know enough about God and his word to recognize when the leader is straight away. They're gullible. 
They don't know the Word of God. They don't know that the leader is drifting them away because they don't know enough about God or His Word to recognize that. And it works the other way. Many people don't realize their leader is following God because they don't know enough about God or His words to know that the leader is following God. Look, it is your responsibility as the people. It is your responsibility to know God and His words so well that you can maintain confidence in your leader's direction. But if you're not in the Word of God, if you don't know God the way you should, if you're not a, a prayer warrior like you should, if you're not spending time daily in the Word of God, listen, you won't know the direction of God. You won't know if your leader is following God. Look, if the people, if the people are where they need to be spiritually, they can have confidence in their leader that he is following God and therefore God can take that church to places they've never been before and places that he would have them to be as long as the leader is following God. The final thought is this. The people must defend their leader from those who would seek to destroy him. This is so vitally important. Look at verse 18. Whosoever he be that doeth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken to thy words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death, only be strong, excuse me, and again, of good courage. Boy, how many times has God told the leader, be strong and of good courage, be strong and of good courage. Look, though a leader can have assurance of knowing that God has his back, it's still important to know that the leader can count on his people. That is vitally important here. There's nothing more distracting for a leader to know that his enemies are within his own camp. You see, it's bad enough that a leader has to worry about the enemies outside the camp. But now he's got to worry about the enemies inside the camp also. And that makes it difficult. He must now maintain a watchful eye among his own. Look, the leaders of the people understood how distracting this could be for Joshua. They understood that. So here's basically what they told Joshua. We'll take care of the rebels. You just focus on leading us to the place that God would have us go. That's what his leaders were telling him. That's what it, you just focus. We'll take care of these rebels. We'll take care of them. You don't worry about those within the camp. You know, we'll take care of them. Can I tell you something? A pastor needs some of his men to say to him, Pastor, you just focus on hearing from God, leading us to the place that he would have us to go, and we'll take care of those rebels who rebel against you and moving to the place that God would have us be. Can I tell you something? Many things can be accomplished when a leader believes in his people. But great things can be accomplished when the people believe in their leader. Now, I thank God. I thank God that for most, most of the nearly 20 years I've been here, it'll be 20 in February, that you've allowed me to be your pastor, to be your leader, that you've been willing to follow my leadership as I have followed God's leading. And that for the majority of those years, notice I said majority, not all of them, 
because we have had some rebels in the first three years I was here. But that was a long time ago. But you know what? Since then, we have had no rebels because I do have some men who have basically said, we'll take care of the rebels. You just lead us to the place that God would have us to go. You just do that. But I feel there are still places that God would have us to go as a church. But it's going to take us working together as leaders and the people. Focus solely on what God would have us to do, where God would have us to go. Again, many things can be accomplished when the leader believes in his people, and I believe in you. You've proved yourself for nearly 20 years. But great things can be accomplished when the people believe in their leader. And they're willing to not only hear his words, but heed his words also. So let's continue working together to the promised land that God would have for us. And what's that going to take is obedience on the, my part, obedience on your part. You say, well, Pastor, that wasn't a very evangelical message. What are you going to do about the lost people that might be here? We want to invite you to come be a part of it. Look, if you're here and you've never invited Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're not part of, quote, the people of God. But God's wanting you to be a part of his family. God's wanting you to be a part of his, his people. And if you're not, have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've never asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, we want to invite you here in just a moment. We're going to have a song of invitation, you know, to come during that song of invitation and let us explain more what it means about being a part of the family of God, about being saved, about accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then you're able to join the, quote, people of God to move to the place that God would have us to be. Let's pray.